Episode 10. We made it to 10. Double digits, right? I uh, just have to start using toes. Waited on me to get to 10. Yeah, well, it was, this was like the big drop. Who do we have in, in house, right? I'm surprised you could count to 10. <laughs> Who said I got could? a calculator? I got to sit there and they number them for me on the yeah, podcast. I mean, you're kind of an engineer. I'm a retired engineer. Retired engineer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wife calls just me literally a stole Trey's line. Wife calls me a recovering engineer. Oh, oh that's true. true. Not retired. Yeah, it's not true. retired. I'm like that dude that made the practice squad and got cut and went into retirement. So, um, what dude was that? Like every person with aspiring NFL dreams. So everybody that plays for the Packers. <sighs> Come on. Now. Oh man. All right, taking shots. And maybe we don't want Trey for episode ten. Trey, right here. We got in the studio with us for the first time. We have a guest actually here in the studio. Jordan uh, Grant. It is. It really is. We've got Trey Smith with us. Uh, he works as the product manager with Tomco Systems, and we're excited to have you here. We're going to dive into how CO2 is used in the food and beverage market, specifically beverage. Uh, and you can tell that we're shooting this episode before lunch because we thought, what do we want to talk about? I'm a little hungry today. Let's talk about food. Food and beverage. Absolutely. So, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, food? Dude, I'm a little nervous with this episode, so I'm going to rub both of your heads no, for lost. I got the two bald guys in like like saving that. So, as we've talked about before, food and beverage makes up roughly 70% of the use and utilization of CO2 in this country. Now, it's really pretty simple where it's used in, in beverage, right? It carbonates our soda, so it is in good. I could grab a soda yeah, can. I know, but that was my nod to the Oh, yeah. there it is. It is in good. Don't edit that. Anyway, so <laughs> obviously, but the majority is used in food processing. So, if, you know, for, for those of you in the food business that are following us, you, you probably know most of them. Trey, run us through. Where do we use CO2 today in a food processing, meat, poultry, seafood? Where, where's the major utilization of CO2? So, it, it's literally from the start of the process to the end of the process. Uh, whether it's stunning the livestock coming into the plant all the way to uh, using the CO2 to, to chill the meat as it's going through a mixer, uh, through a freezer, uh, final product going through, and then all the way to the packaging going out the door. So they'll put pellets, snow, um, some some type of uh, extra cooling on top of the packaging before it leaves the plant going out to the their final customer. Yeah, so at the end of the day, what happens if you, uh, we've all talked about shortages, what happens if you don't have CO2? Uh, you don't have a good product. I mean, so, so that's, you I don't have, think you have a plan. You, you know, got like 2,000 people standing around. Well, going, that's the big thing, right? Yeah, you just shut yeah, the plant down. This, shut the plant down. You're, you're in a temperature-controlled environment, but that's still not enough to accomplish what is needed. You have to have the CO2 medium. You've got some out. transit of that product either within the plant or outside of the plant into a truck, uh, into a truck going to another storage facility. So, yeah, there is some transportation in there where the product needs that extra bit of uh, chilling if it's not in a controlled environment. So I guess like a nice visual, right? A lot of delivery, home food delivery right now is taking place. And so maybe a lot of our listeners have experienced that. Uh, you have the refrigerated packs, but also frozen dry ice there. So kind yeah. of same thing happening at a large scale within these plants, essentially. You're right. using that CO2 to cool that feed. Ex that, that exactly. Ice. Same thing on a more of a commercial scale versus the uh, individual users. Hmm. Right. Out, yeah, out. Like what they call combo boxes. These are um, dimensions, but they weigh roughly 2,000 pounds of meat layered or mixed in with all sorts of dry ice in there to, to transport it from where it was processed or going to the processing plant, so from the harvesting plant to the processing plant and, and everywhere in between. So, yeah, yeah. 
So, so given all that, so obviously, I mean, yeah, the bottom line is it's critical to our food supply. So you do, it's critical to our food supply. So we've talked about it being a critical ingredient. Well, this is critical to the manufacturing process. And like I said, if you don't have CO2 and we're experiencing shortages across the Southeast right now, I've heard of plants being shut down. I've heard of a rail car of CO2, which is about 80,000 pounds of CO2 from the West coast to the East coast, costing upwards of $250,000 where it used to be. You know, could be one one hundredth of that on a you know given day yeah. prior to that. So crazy numbers right now because again, it's the opportunity cost. You shut a plant down and have two thousand people standing around with nothing to do. Uh, you got your million, millions of dollars versus right? a quarter million, million, million yeah. per shift. Yeah. So given that, what what trends are we seeing in the in the food processing business in the industry in these plants? Well, I think you know for years and years you've seen plants tackle any problem with headcount. You know, they can throw more people at it. Labor was cheap. CO2 was cheap. Uh, That doesn't exist anymore. You know, it's harder to find, uh, you know, staff that can that can do, uh, you know, higher level tasks within the plant. Uh, So the cost of of the employee has gone up. Uh, The cost of CO2 has gone up. So there's there's a huge trend towards automation. Uh, anything you can do, do to reduce headcount. So what we're seeing in a lot of plants now is, is a focus on just that. What can we automate uh, to reduce headcount and increase efficiency? Uh, and one of those, one of those is a good example is our new snow hood. So we take a lot of these plants will use bins of pellets, hand scooped. We, we joke that it's a calibrated scoop. But, but you've got these boxes coming down the line. I know and there's a, when I scoop, I always get the same amount every time. That's right. That's yeah, I do nugget ice, and I hit like 56 pieces of nugget ice in every scoop. It's great. Nugget it's nugget ice. Yeah, yeah. Like Chick-fil-A ice. I do it with my ice cream. You know, it's it's a little deeper <laughs> scoop for me. Uh, right. So, uh, but that's, it's, it's a part of the process that's not controlled either. So, depending on who's working the line, who's scooping ice out of the bin, into the boxes, that could be one pound. It could be half a pound. It could be two pounds. Right. There's there's no control over what goes in that box. So what's the snow hood? We talk about a snow hood. What, what does that look like? Then? What are we doing? So it's it's a, an extension to an existing conveyor system going through the plant. So as those boxes come through, uh, it hits a limit switch inside the box, dumps a given amount of snow in the box, and the box box passes on through gets palletized and then off to secondary customers. So basically we're process. Just, we're automating the the production line basically and like you would in any production line. Right. But eliminate it, headcount, eliminate manpower and save CO two. Save CO two because yeah you're well you get the yeah. same dose every time as opposed to what we're talking about this right. Right? every time. You never know what you're really truly getting. Other other thing with pellets, so you you're not ordering a these food plants aren't ordering a bin of pellets. They're ordering a truckload of pellets. So that truckload sits out in the parking lot for a given number of days. So you've got roughly 10% per day being lost through sublimation out in this trailer that's sitting. If it's a summertime, it doesn't matter if it's summer or winter, the pellets are, you know, negative 110 degrees. So whatever that te- temperature differential is, it's, it's the same, you know, sublimation rate, whether it's summer or winter. So. Sublimation picture, like that fog coming across the dance floor of some horrible nightclub. Kind of right. Is there a horrible dance club? <laughs> You're yet to find one. Right? So, <laughs> if you saw me dance, it's a horrible dance club. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I'm there, it's a horrible yeah. dance club. Yeah. yeah, yeah so basically, I mean, if you buy fifty thousand pounds of, of dry ice, a container, whatever, a whole load of it, 
you're saying every day you're losing eight to ten percent of that ice, and every I day. have no doubt that these employees at these uh, facilities are using the first in first out method every single time. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and I've walked through plants before where there's a, a bin of ice that just comes fresh off the truck. You know, it's no telling how long it sat out on the truck, but they take the lid off and it's literally 25% full. So that, that was, that was paid for, you know, but never, never had the opportunity to get used. Pull it from the front. They probably think they got five, 10 bins that just showed up empty by the time it's yeah, that's sublimated right. away. Very well, good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, and especially after, you know, day three, that starts to turn into kind of a block of ice and not pellets anymore. So they right. really don't like dealing with that one. They got to break it up and I'm sure the consistency stays the same. So, and there's so, never going to, nobody's ever going to get the last yeah, bit of sure, ice sure. down in the bin. So there's just a huge amount of waste. So basically, with versus a, a snow hood that you're literally only you're on only demand. dosing what you yeah. need on demand. On demand, exactly. Yeah. I, that's I like that that def definition of that's great. So what I heard you say is that the biggest issues or trends that you're seeing is manpower, labor shortages, CO two shortages, and and uh, pricing and cost controls at the plants themselves by right. the, by the producers. I love one. By my uh, my my chicken is uh, used to be you know seven ninety nine a pound. Now it's eight ninety nine a pound. Yeah, you know, these guys are killing it, right? I mean, the, the food processors are making tons of money. Not necessarily. Well, that's what we're wondering. I mean, you assume that big corporations price gouging, but uh, I mean, is there a chance that they're actually making less than they were pre-COVID? It's not OPEC, right? It's it's different in no. the poultry and beef industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's really, I mean, one of the true trends that we're seeing is, is uh, especially I've seen a lot in the poultry. Uh, again, red meat is, is definitely, they're maintaining some of their margins, but I've heard all sorts of stories around Poultry market is definitely seeing a constraint in their margins. You see some stock price pressures on, on uh, some of these. Uh, I don't know if you saw the news recently. Tyson Food just last week, I believe, announced they're consolidating all of their corporate headquarters into one location in Arkansas. Again, I don't know for sure if that's driven by cost, overhead reductions, things like that, but kind of screams to me a little bit that it is, not to speak for Tyson in any way, shape, or form. But I think they're feeling some pricing pressures, not just on CO2, obviously, but all aspect, grain, feed, everything we talk about, ethanol pricing and, and uh, ammonia pricing that goes into the fertilizers, that goes into feed. Everybody knows the inflation in this market right now. So so what else are we doing? What are we doing? You talked about the snow hood. What else are we doing for efficiency use of CO2? Well, and that's that's a great point. So you look at any of these plants, and they're, they're processing – Roughly two million birds a week. It, I mean, That's you could have plants. Yeah. You could have plants doing more than that, less than that. But say an average plant might be two million birds a week. So if you can save one percent, yeah, you know, in one percent of CO two or one percent of the actual pr pr production of that meat. What outgoing? Okay. Outgoing through the plant. Uh, so big thing with transporting poultry. You've got water weight within within that product. Uh, you want to retain that water weight because that's what you're billing. Uh, it could be an internal, external customer, uh, but the point is you want to maintain as much weight of the bird as you can uh, through that transportation so cost. Yield. How much how yield. pounds of weight am I weigh of meat am I shipping? So I believe you got a product you were talking about earlier, it's called combo chiller. What does that do? When we talk about efficiency and yield and all that, what, what do you what are you hearing from the customers? So so when when you're filling any combo box with product, whether it's beef, chicken, uh, pork, what you want to do is you want to eliminate any temperature stratification within that box the best you can. You want an even cooling of CO2 over that product uh, to retain that water weight during transportation. So our combo chiller uh, takes that as, as the meat is distributed into that combo box. It's 
got a rotating horn on it that distributes the meat evenly through the box versus what you'll see a lot of times in plants is the conveyor just dumps in the middle and the, and the meat just stacks up and comes off and you've got to have a guy with a shovel that's you know kind of moving the meat around shoveling pellets in so you'll literally see combo boxes sitting on the production line that have huge cold spots on them huge warm spot on the other side so you know there's just extreme stratification of, of temperature throughout that box the combo chiller eliminates that as the meat goes in spread in the box we dose snow right behind that uh, so you have a nice thin layer of snow over all the meat even temperature distribution and much higher yield on the product so it sounds like you know you've come in you've walked through these facilities and you've identified solutions to help have less of the need to shovel on ice. Absolutely. Less of the human error. It's warm here. We want to get rid of the calibrated shovel. Right. That's, yeah, no, that's going away for good. Calibrated shovel. <laughs> so, patented that? No, yeah, trademark that. Trademark. You know, he's, he, he, we're doing away with that patent. You can get it at Ace Hardware. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes me wonder, though, like, are you getting a lot of requests, you know, from your partners, people your relationships with to kind of come in and do an internal audit and say, okay, Trey, you know, you helped us here. Like you mentioned, CO2 from start to finish in mm. the process. Where else can we be more efficient? What can we do? Any R&D around that? I mean, is there an interest in continued improvement in other parts of the plant? I, I think that's that's what we're seeing right now. And it's it's sort of uh, goes back to that saying, this uh, invention is mother's a necessity of invention. Mother is a necessity of invention. I don't think that's it. I don't know what well, it is. Hey, you can go, ahead and, go ahead and trademark that one too. <laughs> yeah. Mother is a necessity Necessity, we'll necessity is the mother of invention. That makes that's a lot more sense. That makes yeah. a little bit more sense. Yeah. <laughs> other, than, other than your mom being... Oh, okay. <laughs> we're done with the mom jokes. Hey, so, thank goodness you're in new product development with mothers with something that I'm not sure. <laughs> so so what, we, what we are seeing is is because of the squeeze, the shortage of CO2, the shortage of manpower, we are seeing that uh, our customers take a hard look at where they can make improvements, no matter how small it is. Because again, 1% over 2 million birds a week, I mean, that's that's a significant number. Uh, so what we've done with the snow hood, uh, we've, we've put a barcode scanner on it. We can actually scan the box, tell exactly what's in what product is in that box, how much weight is in that box, what the date is, and we can actually dose snow into that box on the fly based on exactly what that product is. Hmm. That didn't exist six months ago. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, That's great. That's great. Well, real quick, just to close it out, I think we're going to have a, a broader conversation about this. This is probably a whole other episode, but what are, you, what are you seeing in nitrogen? So uh, it's some of those applications that you talked about. Now, if it's making ice, you can't do that with nitrogen. Right. But the blending, some of the freezing, are there are the utilizations or usages of nitrogen in these plants? And you know, what are you seeing? What's the trends going on there? Like, I think it's a bigger conversation. But real it, quick, it's a bigger say? conversation. But what what plants want to be ready for now is with a shortage of CO two, with that market being as volatile as it is, they want they want the ability to go from nitrogen to CO2 with a flick of a switch. Yeah. So that's that's what we're seeing. So we call it like a dual yeah. gas type of system. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because one of the fears is, you know, yeah, we have a CO2 shortage, so everybody, I think, is kind of knee-jerk and said, we need to be on nitrogen. But that's, you know, and that's not a... Is there enough nitrogen in the market to support that? No. Are we going to have a nitrogen shortage right. if we, so everybody you, converts? You can trade your shortage. Absolutely. So, yep. Yeah, I like that. So if, you, if you're able to use both gases, you know, follow the trend. If you have CO2 in your market or it's cheaper, go to CO2. Have nitrogen in your market, go to nitrogen. Cool. No, I, I, I'm excited to dive into that one because I would love to understand... 
where can you use nitrogen and where do you have to be agnostic to CO2. But that gives us one more episode in our queue. We're going to make it to number 11, that means for sure. So I'm excited about it. I don't think that's number 11, though. Oh, absolutely not. No, I, we joke. We've got, we, we got a hundred more of these. Come on. Sure you think we're going to step away from the camera? No way. It's too much fun. So. No, so, all right. Well, appreciate it. Summarize. Biggest trends you see. Manpower shortages, CO2 shortages, tightening squeeze on margins, and, and dual gas conversions. Automation. Yeah. So you're kind of on the leading forefront. Well, man, we really appreciate you coming in and talking to us about this stuff. Thanks. I got to head to the airport. That's the airport to yeah. go take care of manpower shortages That's right. and conversions. Yeah. Nice. No. Don't forget to pack your, uh, what's, what's the shovel? Calibrated. The calibrated, calibrated shovel. shovel. You check okay. that? I think you have to check that. It is a check bag. Okay. Otherwise, it might be used as a weapon. True. Facts. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. We'll see you for 11.